Hello. Hi. <laughs> how are you? Okay, we're going to do the how are you, how's your day been situation, even though you did give me a full answer just before uh, this interview started. So how are you, Tiwa? I'm trying not to laugh. I'm good. The sun is shining, even though it's been really bizarre weather. Um, work was all right today. Got the day off tomorrow, so party, kind of. Um, but no, I'm good. I'm doing really good. Are you actually party? Because we're in lockdown. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to party. No. <laughs> I mean, party, party. That I've got the day off, but no, I'm just. All oh, right, agreed. Okay. And yeah, what are you up to this weekend with your day off? Nothing much, actually. We're just gonna um, just have some family time, relax, eat one too many pieces of chicken. Um, <laughs> maybe have a barbecue. Why not? I mean. Oh, do you have a garden? Yeah, we do. We do. We do. And we've got a little one who, I don't know, in this lockdown period, he seems to have received everything. So a trampoline, a paddling pool. And, you know, it's kind of like, mommy, daddy, come and play with me outside. I'm like, the reason why we bought it for you so that you can be outside. <laughs> oh, so you've been spoiling him with stuff yeah. and then complaining when he's got no one to play with. Basically, that's what he does. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And How about you? Got my... How are you? How are you? How are you? I'm I'm same you know what I I always say the same thing on my podcast I'm like oh same shit different day however (laughs) I'm gonna change it up I've actually had a pretty good week it's been so productive at work and I saw my sister last weekend which is weird because I haven't seen her for since February oh now we're in July well June even and I literally, so me and my sister only have each other in this country. <laughs> no, we have family. We only have each other in proximity because yeah, yeah, the rest yeah. of my family live in Australia and then I've got some family that are like far away in the UK. So I was really naughty. I got the train to Cambridge and it honestly, I, I felt like I didn't know how to get on the tube anymore. Like <laughs> I felt like a tourist in my touch? own city. Yeah, I didn't know how to buy a ticket. I looked dumb, man, because I got to <laughs> London Bridge and I was asking the TFL lot, like, how do I tap out? And they were, they were looking at me like, who is this girl? And I was just like sanitizing my hands every like 10 seconds. Someone tried and sat next to me. I had to like move, swiftly move into another carriage. Um, it was a very bizarre experience. It felt, I mean, I've never seen London Bridge Station that, uh, that clean. It smelled, the whole place smelled like um, bleach. What was it like? Is it, is it fairly empty or are there still people about? For a Friday night, which is when I went. Yeah. So I got like the seven, 6, 7 p.m. train, which is peak time, right? And it was pretty empty. There are still people about, though. I, I'd say it's not empty. It's not ghost town, but it just mm-hmm. looks like a very, very, maybe on a late night Sunday, that kind of crowd. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I haven't been on the train since March. Like, just no thanks train bus no thank you but think about uh, how much money you're saving by not commuting yeah 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 Saving. Like, hello <laughs> <laughs> so hey you know whilst on the one hand it's like lockdown has been it's been interesting right because it's almost like a new normal but i'm just like god thank you because I, I said i wanted to save this year i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> but that's probably why your son's got like a million new toys because you out here like balling with your money <laughs> nothing to do it's, it's actually too much because it's silly now because it's like ding dong amazon ding dong asos where amazon, am i going where am i going <laughs> amazon is i've been ordering so i actually share an account with my sister and yeah. i ordered them we both go back and forth back and forth with the most random orders so like 
I ordered, the, I ordered like some beauty products. I think I bought a new face mask, a few like demo plain razors, and then like garden plant feed and um, like a plant pot. Sometimes buy like, do you know the most <laughs> random things? And my sister's messaged me like, what are you doing in your personal life? Like we need to have conversations. And I was like, no, 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 I promise. They're all like logical. <laughs> but Amazon apparently made moment. 40, a $14 billion in this coronavirus period. I am not surprised. I am not surprised. They literally maximized on the virus in terms of people just being at home, not the virus, yeah. but people being at home and just wanting an outlet to, to do stuff. I mean, DIY. I mean, think about it. We couldn't buy flour for a long time. Like everyone was baking. So um, Amazon... Um, I think they were selling flour at one point for like extortionate prices as far as I'm concerned. But um, but no, they've they've done well. I wish I came up with the idea first. I'll um, I'll tell you something that'll make you laugh. So before I went to Cambridge, I ordered all my stock for the train. Mm -hmm. So I got like new sanitizer, like 70% grade alcohol, whatever it is. I got myself... um, I got myself some surface cleaner as well for the train tables and like surface wipes. Oh, what I thought were antibacterial surface wipes. And I paid, not for these three items, I paid 23 pounds. I did not pay a small, small amount of money, 23 pounds. And the wipes came, Tiwa, they were butt wipes. (laughs) They were butt wipes. They were like, you know, baby butt wipes or like for adults. I was so sad. I was like, and you know how I knew because I turned around to see the instructions. I, I think I've got it here somewhere. It says something like, please wipe upwards from rectum. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, these are on my hands and my phone. So Did I got finessed. Amazon finessed. No, they're just in my pack. Why do you use them? They're wipes. They're like the... the I, I took one out to test it though. and it's like yeah. really moisturizing because it's for your butt, right? So it was like... Releasing all this cream, it was just not for me, man. It was not for me. I felt so annoyed. I wanted to cry. Anyway, I thought that would make you laugh. Oh, I got butt wipes. Yeah. Probably my fault. You're not going to um, lift that up, though. Just tell you. I mean, I just go, take it. How the butt wipes? <laughs> well, I mean, they're great for my butt, not for my hands. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but oh. yeah, we'll get started on the podcast because this was a great coronavirus update from <laughs> Tiwa Lola, yours, <laughs> yours truly. Um, so, Tiwa, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Oh, thank um, you, thank you. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about you? So, let's start with um, what's your nationality, what's your ethnicity, and where were you born in this world? Nationality is a very interesting one because if I was to write a form or sign a tick box in a form it will actually be irish um ethnicity is um black african um but i'll tell you a little bit more about my (laughs) my irish nationality my um when and i'm sure we'll get into this but when we were applying to come to to england it was based on my mum's nationality and she is irish um so uh, that's where that came from have i have asked me how many times i've been to ireland uh twice and that's not oh, because you've been i wanted to that's yeah yeah and that was what probably about three years ago so it wasn't like oh you know i'm from here let me go and check it out it was just no so this you're not from Ireland. Ireland. You stand for an island and be like, I'm Irish, I, they will look at you weird. 
but I am a proud Nigerian people. Very proud. There we Nigerian. go. Mm -hmm. So you are born in, not in Ireland? Not in Ireland, no. Born in Nigeria. Okay. Um, and I came here when I was just before, I think two weeks before my 13th birthday. Oh. That's yeah. a really interesting time because you would have just started high school or like the start of high school period. Oh yeah, yeah, that was very, I mean, high school for me was incredibly bizarre but i'm sure we'll probably get into that but yeah it was, a, it was an eye-opener for me in 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 many respects i think one of the things that really um and maybe shocked is not the word but perhaps got me really surprised was you know living in nigeria people have sort of hyped you know london is amazing all this wonderful stuff and i was expecting to see you know glitter and gold and you know this yeah. wonderful stuff and we landed in the july of 98 and I was really underwhelmed. Just like, is this it? Like, where? <laughs> where is it? Like, where is it? Like, number one, why are the houses so small? You know, because I'd come yeah. from, you know, five bedroom house. It's fantastic. But, you know, bless my parents. They wanted us to, you know, have a different um, view of life and, and better, yeah. better life, really. So, yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, let's take it all the way back before you came to Grotty London. And you were in Nigeria. So you were born yeah. in Nigeria, and whereabouts in Nigeria are you from? So, so I am from, so I grew up in Lagos, um, which is like the, it's not the capital, because the capital of Nigeria is Abuja, but Lagos is like the London of Nigeria. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I am from a state called Edo State, which is, I sort of take my dad's, I suppose, heritage, as it were. Um but yeah, so that's where I grew up. So I was born in a place called Ilori, which for my Nigerians, please, please forgive me because I, I, I don't know anymore what that is, but it's in all your states, I believe. Um, and then we lived in a place called Ibadan, um, which is about two hours away from London, uh, from Lagos on a good day in traffic, two, three hours. Um, and then we moved to Lagos and that's where I sort of, I can really remember my childhood in, in Lagos. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, so you lived in Lagos till you were like 12, 13. What was your time yeah. in Lagos like? And I want, I want to use that time because it's always fun comparing your childhood in one place versus your childhood in England, right? So like, how did you, how did you enjoy your time in Lagos? Do you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, so it was just me, my brother and my sister and my mum and dad. Um, you know, very tight family unit all about my dad was like you know housework number one you know he would stay up late with us and then on a Saturday morning he would just start blasting music and it's like dad we want to sleep he's like no it's time to it's time to do your work um so but I remember a lot of fun a lot of hard work um uh, you know somewhat um in, in some respect as well it's like knowing that we didn't have a lot but we were content as well yeah. so Example is, um, I remember my brother wanted to buy, I don't know if anyone remembers those like flash up trainers for the old Yes, yeah, the old school ones. Yeah, <laughs> old yeah. Um, and my dad was like, okay, cool, that's fine. So he took him to the market where um, he wanted to buy the trainers. And my brother was like, yeah, 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 I want those, I want those. And my dad said, okay, fine. But 
if I use this money to buy your trainers, then you won't go to school. So which one do you want? Oh, he hit him with that. So um, he was very, my dad was very logical. So in terms of just making sure that we were together as a family um, was important. Church every Sunday, like you wake up at like six, be out of the house at like seven thirty, eight o'clock, go to church, you know. Um, so it was, and then sometimes you wouldn't get back until two, three. So it was a very long Sunday. But I just remember us always being together, growing together. Um, I always say to people that I effectively helped um, our family build our family home in, in Lagos because you would see all the laborers come in and we would carry like bricks and you know the cement and help them mix and say I want to help you and things like that so it was it was a lot of fun man I remember my my childhood was dope it was great so that's good and then are you the youngest in the family so where do you sit in your brothers and sister well brother and sister so I am a middle child but um so I've got an older sister who lives in the states Mm -hmm. and that's a different conversation and I live here and then my brother also lives in the states different conversation um, in terms of obviously what's been going on um But yes, I'm sort of middle, middle child, as it were. But I don't think I have middle child syndrome. That's what I would like to say. <laughs> That's why I asked, are you the eldest, are you the youngest? Because everyone who always says they had the dope time was not the oldest child, <laughs> trust me. Because like, if you're an immigrant family and you're the eldest daughter, that's not happening. Like, not I had happening. a completely, yeah, I mean, just a, I, I think one thing that I can resonate with is that you said um, your dad was very much like, put the music on housework and blah, blah. And I think the same with me. I remember waking being woken up on like a saturday morning at like 7 30 yeah, and my mom would be like you know get out it's already like <laughs> nine o'clock and i'd be like look at that time it's 7 30 woman and then my dad would play like his old classical not even bollywood which is like i don't know what you what you'd compare it to nigeria like maybe charts music like that's kind of what my dad was into um like boys to men and gosh we played a lot of michael jackson yeah, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson is like a favorite amongst all dad, like non-English dads. And for yeah. me, my dad loved Whitney Houston. I think Whitney Houston will like his his crush. Like he, oh really? You know, <laughs> yeah. He was he was obsessed with Whitney Houston. He was like, you know, every oh, time. Yeah. So it was really bad at one point. Like every black woman that would be on like X Factor and Britain's Got Talent, he'd be like, but she's not like Whitney. And I'm like, not every <laughs> black woman is like Whitney. <laughs> Please no, understand. Definitely. And I think no. he just yeah. So that was my sort of music and that and very classical Indian music. And then my dad be like, oh, you don't even do, he doesn't have an Indian accent <laughs> at all. But like, I like to add it on for comical effect. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you don't even do any housework, useless. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Same words, not paraphrasing. And I'm like, yeah. And then, so that's why I asked, you're not, you're definitely not the eldest child. You, you are. No, no, I'm not. Life. But I, but I feel, I feel like my sister would, <laughs> I'm speaking for her, but I feel like my sister probably wouldn't say, she had it hard, but I, because I yeah. feel like my dad was very good at evenly distributing um, responsibility. So she had like um, the, you know, mop the sitting room um, job. I had the bathroom cleaning job. My brother had the sweep in the compound job. So it was fun, man, you know, and, and after doing all the housework, we would sit down. I remember very distinctly sit down around the dining table. Food was like yam and eggs if you if you're Nigerian and you know pepe egg you know what I'm talking about um you know yam and eggs and then just sit down and 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 just just really you know chop it up really yeah oh nice well I don't know what pepe egg is and I'll have to google it afterwards 
uh, well, you might not, I don't know if you, if you find any results from pepper egg, but it's basically like egg fried in like, um, tomatoes and onions and, and scotch bonnets. So it's like really infused in that. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just, yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds a little bit like I know it's not, and you're probably gonna butcher me. I want to say it sounds like shakshuka. It's not shakshuka. Yeah, you do. You look so disappointed when I said that. So let's <laughs> swiftly moving on. <laughs> swiftly moving on. When I don't pretend I'm not gonna know black food. Um, but yeah. So then you moved to England, and then mm-hmm. what? You moved in July, so I assume you had the summer to like chill, settle down, yeah. kind of get to know the environment, and then you start school in September. I so where did where did you go to school? Let's let's start with that. Where where not what Croydon did you Matthew. go to? Croydon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um we lived in um uh, so when we came to this country actually, um we, we lived with my auntie. So my mom my dad stayed in Nigeria and then he used to back and forth. Um and then initially we lived with my auntie and uncle, my brother and I. Um and then my mom finally came and settled in in, in the UK. So um, she's got a very interesting journey herself, but um, I think that, that but those couple of months was us trying to find a school, you know, when she came down, trying to find a school and then starting school. So we lived in Shirley and then my, my school was in, um, was in Shrublin, sorry, it was in Croydon. And I think school for me was just, it was bizarre. It was just because I had done a year in second or secondary school in Nigeria. So we, we call it JS1, which is junior school one, I believe, which is equivalent of year seven here. Yeah. So when I joined, I joined in year eight. Um, but it was just like, okay, what's going on? Why are we wearing blizzard? What's all this? You know, it was just really, really strange for me. Um, but I think one of the most distinct moments that I remember actually was a um, conversation with a teacher and a child who this boy had gotten unruly. And the teacher was just like, oh, Tommy, you know, sit down. But Kitty, in my head, I'm like, are you going to throw your shoe? Because <laughs> I was expecting more of a reaction, you know, like, because yeah. back home, they don't play. Disciplinary. You, don't, yeah. like, you, you don't step out of line. You don't talk to anybody like that, you know. So it was very, I was like, okay. And then, you know, my, um, in our culture we'll say I started growing wings i.e I started like feeling like yeah I can talk to I can talk to a teacher like that forgetting that obviously my mom and dad would be like who's your who's your mother and father um so those, those moments were, um um are things that I sort of think back at. and in school lunches as well oh my goodness till this day kitty till this day I cannot eat lasagna I just I can't because when I saw this blob what concoction i just literally my words were what is that <laughs> i was like what is and my friends are like, oh it's lasagna i was like what is lasagna what, what what does it why does it look like that you know so i had to learn you know about english food and you know change my palate some things i still won't touch till today i just i can't really do you know what though i think the one thing i was beefed um at school with school dinners is that they teach you and I went to a girl's school so they were like all about the ooh like you have to eat like this and blah blah all this shit and I still to this day eat rice with my hands to this day Do to you? this day I eat rice with my hands and that's like a, I mean 
that is just the way it tastes better man it tastes i don't know if it's an african thing if you guys do it but it's a south asian thing we eat with our hands and um i would eat not rice with my hands i wasn't that barbaric in school but like i would eat like fries with my hands because who doesn't eat fries with who eats it with don't at me and the dinner ladies would come approach me and they'd be like we don't know how you do it at home love but we don't do it like this here and i was like who's we just do you know what I mean? Like, who's we and who's me? Like, who who's how you do it at home? And to be fair, my any normal person now would eat fries with hands or chips mm-hmm, with hands. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Unless you're like, you've got dirty hands for whatever reason. And I just thought to myself, and it's these things that stay with me about school dinners. Like, I don't care how dead the food was. Just let me eat the dead food in the way I'd want to eat the dead food. Does let me do me, man. Like, literally, it's kind of like... I don't want to eat that or, or this is what I eat. And I think, I, did I take food to school? I don't like remember. Lunch. So I always had to buy, yeah, I didn't take packed lunch because what's a sandwich? Again, to me, <laughs> coming from Nigeria, it's like, what Sa- is a sandwich? <laughs> so my mum, we have a saying in Hindi and I'm going to translate it for you in English, but it's, it's basically, it, it's quite a morbid saying. It's the day, there are only two days that we don't eat, um, we eat cold food in our house, in India mm-hmm. house. It's when someone mm-hmm. dies and when mm-hmm. your gas, your gas tank is being replaced because like, oh. we don't eat cold food. Like we don't eat sandwiches and quiches and salads, like, or salad a little bit on the side. That's different. But my mum, mm-hmm. honestly, I think my culture shock coming here to this country was, um, my, my friends being like, Oh, we get one hot meal a day. And I'm like, why are not all your meals? Hot? Why, why are they not all, you know, I, I you know that's such a fun concept to me as well I think um yeah and then but I what I don't understand is if you didn't like the school food why would you not take a pack lunch because there were other options man <laughs> there was chips <laughs> there were chips um and because you, you had the do I remember correctly you had the hot counter and then the cold where you can buy uh crisps and stuff like that and and I and I always knew that I would go home and have a fat meal waiting for me so I didn't really bother about yeah, yeah. It, didn't, it just didn't bother me seriously like and especially because i knew that there'll be days when i'm just like i don't understand the food that is being served today like what does this what does it look like that and I'm, I'm a very visual eater as well so if i see something that doesn't look right i felt like the woman of the tannoy <laughs> i see something that doesn't look right i just leave it <laughs> <laughs> for me i think the smell is worse than the the look so like it has to smell worse than it looks because if it smells nice and looks bad i'd be like you know what <laughs> never judge a food by person nope okay not you, no. not you unless you cover my eyes i'll tell you a story so i went to a restaurant once with my friend and this is shit i mean it's very shameful not i think probably about 10 11 years ago i can't remember anyway but definitely about 10 years ago and i saw risotto on the menu Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, rice, right? I mean, Nigerians, South Asians, yeah, yeah. I'm sure rice is like, you know, the thing. And I saw rice, cool, cool. Like, I'll have a risotto. My friend's knowing me. She was like, are you sure? I said, yeah, like, it's risotto. Let me try something new. Kitty, when they brought this thing, I was like, why is my rice swimming? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's wet. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so wet. So I was like, no, no, no. Can't, my friend said, yeah, I was very surprised when you ordered it. I was like, yeah, but you know, I said, can you just take it back? I'll have pizza. Thank you. Like, I, 
why is, why is my rice in, in fairness risotto is nice if it's cooked good it's, it's mm. pretty nice but it's what I we think... call in hindi gila chawal which means oh it means like when you put too much water in the rice and then it becomes like mushy and it's not nice and like no one eats it and yeah so but it, i think even foreign concept to this state my mum would call um like she would say it's a waste of rice she'd get like personally upset she'd be like why why can't they just make pizza and pasta which is like what they're good at she's just that my, my <laughs> dad that woman. you know who taught me how to make rice my dad like grainy like like he wants to see the grains to the point my sister and i made rice i remember we made rice once and he came home from work and he was like what's that like it's rice is that no let me show you how to make rice until this day like you can't test my rice like it's, it has to be grainy like let me see Wait, the grains I, a question for you mm. are you a long grain or basmati person i'm a basmati but not the basmati it's like basmati long grain this, this new thing that they're doing now it's like what's the boy you can't like just mix up the mash like <laughs> It's a um, golden cellar basmati rice. That's the that's the brand. Oh, I know I'm what you mean. Brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just said it. Now you might have to beat that out. But um, no, you don't. Know, to, they need to give me sponsorship money. That's what. They like, do need yeah. to give you give yeah. Kitty sponsorship. Um, <laughs> no, that's the that's the rice that I cook with because I can't. So basmati for me, it has a um, it's quite pungent. Okay. Um, and I, and I feel like with my rice, you know, as I'm a rice connoisseur, I still don't know how to get the water right in Basmati for golden seller. Give it to me, man. I'm, I'm cool. It's like, well, you, know, you just cheated your way out of that question. So I'll, after we ask you a harder one later, but, um, okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about high school. So when you came to this country, you went to high school, Croydon Massive, we get it. You didn't like school lunches. The teachers, you don't understand the relationship between teachers and students. What was mm-hmm. the demographic like of your school? And then kind of how was your five, four years until GCSEs? Or if you stayed there for A-level, like how was your kind of journey there looking back? So demographic of my school was black, Asians, very few white people. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was very, because center of Croydon, so everybody was there. Um, so I found that quite easy, actually. But I think, you know, and, and you, you know this from the stories that I've told at work. Um, my name was a big, like, you know, what is Tiwalola? Um, but I remember, big up Mr. Obojabo. I remember um, our, um, oh, what was he? I can't remember which teacher it was, but he, he then went up to be the head of, the head teacher when I left actually, well, when, when, when we left a few years after, um, but his name was Mr. Obojabo and he was sort like this proud Nigerian man to the point where he was almost like a father to a lot of us in the school where, okay, if you go out of line, Mr. Obojabo will tell your parents that no, no, this person has done wrong. Um, but my name was like, oh, you know, why don't you call, cause my full name is Tiwalola. Um, so why don't you call yourself Tia, you know, just drop the job to you. Or why don't you call yourself Lola? I was like, my name is not that difficult. There were other kids in this school where it's like, even me looking at them, like, I can't pronounce your name, but I'm Nigerian, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, but that was fine. The, 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 the years in the school, so 1911, it was fine until I decided that I wanted to be a bad gal. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I decided that, you know, I was talking about, you know, growing wings. So I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to tell this story. I don't know if you're ready, Kitty. Um, 
It's just the way you set the precedent, like bad gal. I was like, okay, I just know you as a mother now, so you can't be too like you can't throw too much out in the work. Sure. So you were telling a story about bad gal. <sighs> Mama, I love you. Um, so <laughs> Is this the first time she's heard this? No, 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 no. She she will okay, know cool. why. Um, so okay. you know, in schools, right? You always have some people. I don't know. Obviously, I, I've listened to some of your podcasts, so I know you went to. A, different school but um yeah you just have some people that just like to cause trouble right and i'm naturally right. like a you know, chilled you know kumbaya kind of person don't, <laughs> you, don't get me riled up um and there were these girls in school at the time who were just they were just different man just doesn't matter who um you were what year you were they just wanted to come at you anyway and it's been a, it's been a couple of months where they were just effectively just going around the school just being Ugh. So my friend bullies. Me. Just say the word. They were bullies, <laughs> man. They were just being bullies, man. Kitty, I can't deal with it. And my friend calls me. He's like, "Tell you what, so and so did this. You know, I was walking home, and this happened, and that happened." Da, 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 da. I was like, "What?" Anyway, next day at school, I didn't take any books that day. <laughs> <laughs> you went for a fight. You went ready for a fight. I went for a fight okay hey as i'm reliving it my heart is beating um <laughs> but i said god you know that nothing happened because boy i don't know if i'll be here today you know um i just had a i, I think i just saw red and i remember my friends at school going oh yeah t was just all talk she's not going to do anything i was just <laughs> looking at them like okay okay anyway fast forward now the school's got wind that something's about to go down between t and her friend and then these girls um and yeah they 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 tried to stop the chaos they eventually did unfortunately um the <laughs> the headmaster of the school at the time comes to me and he's like oh tiwa you need to calm down <laughs> what i was like why are you talking why are you talking to me <laughs> And Kitty, I don't know you became that kid that you didn't oh. understand why people talk back to the teachers. Oh. Kitty, I literally, I, I mean, he says I shoved him. I don't remember shoving him. <laughs> I literally just, <laughs> I literally just, like, man, and yeah, it wasn't fun. So you yeah, beat, you beat up not, the teacher. How I did fast not did they call up. your mom? No, no, no. How fast did I they call your mom? I want to know. <laughs> Listen, listen, Kitty. I didn't beat him up. Let's let's. Just, I didn't. I just moved him aside. He said, "Move, move out of my way. Move, move, move." <laughs> the school effectively shut down that day. Teachers couldn't teach because they were like, "These two girls have gone crazy." Anyway, my mom, my mom, come, oh, my mom used to work in Watford at the time. And if you think Watford to Croydon, it's not, it's not near. It's not near. And we're talking two thousand and this, two thousand and one, two thousand two. Um, GCSE year, oh God. Anyway, I my mum my comes with my auntie and I always say my mum was the, you know, calm, collected, let me hear what they're going to say about my daughter. My auntie was the, hmm, hmm. I was just like, <laughs> let them talk now. Anyway, so the headmaster's like, the headmaster's like, oh, you know, Tiwa did this and Tiwa did that and da 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 My mum is like, my mum's just looking at me. My auntie's there going, hmm, hmm. Anyway, so when they say, so the headmaster then says, so basically, we don't want her back in the school. Um, she can only come oh. back for her. Yeah, yeah. She can only come back for her GCSEs. And we're talking 
this is March. What GCSEs is like May, June. May, so yeah, yeah. Um, um, I remember walking out of the school reception, walking to the gravel of the school. I don't know where my mum's street fighter move just came. I just felt one slap on my face. I was like, Kitty, I was like, my mom is the loveliest woman. Like, she slapped me twice in my life. I'm 34 this year. Like, she's never, and she's like, and then she was just like, (laughs) she's like, in your life, they will never call me about you again. Do you know where I came from? All the way from what for? To the school. For somebody to come and tell me that your daughter did this, that your daughter did that. Never again. Oh, Kitty, it was it was bad. <laughs> Listen, oh, they sent no. me back to Nigeria for a year. No oh. joke. No. Yes. No. That was that's back. that threat. That's that threat that everyone says. Like I was threatened to sent, be sent back like every three months. I'm not joking. And you actually got sent back. You Dennis got sent, sent back. back. But your dad was there, right? My dad was there and I don't people at that time like calling Nigeria or calling anywhere overseas was just a chore, particularly like the West Africans and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That day, I remember one time it went through. The call went through. My mom was just like, "Adi, your daughter has been suspended from school. They don't want her to come back." <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was just. And I remember speaking to my dad, um, and he was just like, "Tiwa." To be fair, he didn't call me Tiwa. He he called me my middle name, which is Omanua. He was just like, "Nua, thank you. Is that what I sent you to this country for? Thank you." I was just like, "Oh, the guilt." Yeah, and, and, you know, next talk was we're sending you back because who do you think you are, basically? And I thought they were joking. Mate, August, one time, the same year, wow. went back. And you just for school there for a year? And my eyes opened. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to wow. school there. Yeah, yeah, I went to school for a year. Um, but do, do you know what? It's like in those moments, I'm a very, at the time, I... I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my parents did this to me. But quite frankly, I didn't know that two years later, my dad will pass away. So the moment that I was literally like, okay. So when I think back on it now, so um, yeah, I got sent back. Um, and I remember actually when we got to the, when I landed, obviously went through uh, baggage claiming or that wonderful stuff, which is a different experience in Nigeria. Um, I remember my dad coming to the airport to pick me up. And he drove me straight to my new school, straight to my new school. Like, this is your school. This is the principal. I was just like, just came back. Yeah, they were not playing with me. Um, but um, yeah, I didn't realize that, you know, it was a blessing in disguise in the sense that my dad and I, I mean, we always had a great relationship anyway, but it really, really deepened that year because two to three years after that, he actually he unfortunately passed away but I can really look back on those moments and say yeah 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 like he became my homie kind of thing so yeah that's it was just you and your dad right so because I assume your siblings were in England no my my sister was still there my sister was okay so it was me my dad and my sister so yeah it was very interesting time so it was very stark it was like the difference was obviously leaving here and then resetting to life in, in, in Lagos, Nigeria again. But to be honest, things had drastically improved in terms of just how 
if the right word is cosmopolitan I can use but yeah it was it was really like modern the infrastructure and, like change basically yeah. yeah it had really changed it was really yeah it was it was good <laughs> it was good but yeah I decided that I was going to be a bad girl and it didn't work in my favor so, so basically you left your fight alive <laughs> God, I can't imagine you as a fighter. That's the thing. I just cannot imagine you going up to some girl in school and like getting red in the face. And do you know what? Do you think if your son, I think men, I think boys and men are different anyway. But if your son did ever did pulled a fast one on you like that at the age of fifteen, oh, it, it can't happen. Like he's going to be getting three fighter thwack. Literally, <laughs> my question to you is, who do you think you are? I think to be yeah. honest with you, obviously, there were other issues. And stuff that I really had to work through. But I was a really angry teenager for reasons that I can't necessarily share on, on this. But I was just really angry. So I just used to see red very quickly. And I had to say to myself, Tiwa, in the long run, this isn't good for anybody. So um, I, I, I did a pretty fast U-turn, particularly when I went back to Nigeria as well. So yeah. I came back was a changed person. It doesn't always work for everybody because I feel like some people feel, if I send my child back, they were just no, no. Some children go back and they come back worse. So I feel like my my parents really got it, like nipped it in the in the bud um, at the right time for me. So. Yeah, agreed. I think you were still doing GCSEs. It's it's an okay time. You're not like a full <laughs> adult, so completely resonate. The full adult, mate. I'll be gone. I'll be like, see you later. Send me back to where? Who do you think? You are? <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> Who do you think you are? I I could never say that to my parents. <laughs> never yeah i know so. even in my old age and i think those are the things that are really ingrained in me so even when i was acting like this you know oh you know who do you think you are person at school mate at the door i leave all that rubbish and i'm like hello mommy how are you <laughs> because i remember who i am right like this is not yeah. how you raise me, so don't even try it and that's and those are some of the virtues i'm hopefully my husband and I are sort of instilling in my son now because it's like, no, no, no. Even that he's, he's going to be five in November. And even now I'm just like, who, who do you think you are? Like talking to me like, no, mummy. I'm like, no, no, no. You got the wrong. No, batch. yeah, yeah. But he's grown up British. He's grown up. I mean, I feel like you get instilled a culture based on your, based on your um, culture. So you get, you get, in, you get virtues instilled based on your culture because the mm-hmm. people around you have the same culture and you share the same values. Whereas mm-hmm. here, so actually I'm going to just in the interest of time, I'm going to move on to your adult life in, yeah, in yeah, a so. short while, but I just want to mention one thing about your son, which is you want to make sure, and I struggled with this a lot and I'm sure you did as well. Um, but I came here at a very young age. So I came here when I was three and my sister okay. came here when she was younger. and. Um, I think for me, I had one identity at home and one identity at school for the long or outside for the longest time. And Mm -hmm. looking back, I really didn't like who I was at home because I was ashamed of it. So I was Mm -hmm. just, depending on, you know, where your son goes to school and if his kids around him have the same color or the same ethnicity, culture, whatever, then just to make sure that doesn't happen because I think there's one thing I would instill in my child being like, I know it's difficult for you to grow up with a culture where your parents aren't in the same culture as you or like, I'm not sure if your yeah. husband if you grew up here or whatever um, and yeah. but for me my parents are very much from India my dad's mm-hmm. far more western than my mum my mum got married she's 21 had been at 22 she's very like village housewife I always joke about it even like 30 <laughs> years later and um and you know she 
I think I, for my kids, I, I think they've got the best of worlds because my partner and I were both brought up here. Yeah. But I, I can't imagine like ever raising my kid the same way I'd have to grow up because I was like too, like Jekyll and Hyde. Like you never knew what side of me you got kind of thing. I hear you. And I think it's really showing them the best of both. But then yeah. I think certain things that um, perhaps I faced, I saw, I said, when I was growing up, that it just won't happen. And, you, and, and I think for me, it's our responsibility, my husband and I, to learn from that and and make it sort of evolve with, with our son. So no, I, he he definitely knows, yeah, we're Nigerian. He might not understand it now at a young age, but we're Nigerian. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate that you, that you live here. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of miss the way with the greatest respect, where it's like you live in England, but you're still trying to like force down the Nigerian um yeah um, culture down your children which, which is fantastic like do that because your children need to know where they are but you also need to adapt to your environment to know that okay they don't really do things like that here um for example if you slap your child in the middle of the road some goody two shoes is going to call social services and be like i just saw a woman you know just it. whereas one look should be enough for you to relax. So if I look yeah, at yeah, yeah. You know, my son and just be like, what are you doing? You should understand that yeah, mommy's not playing. So it's, yeah, that, yeah. that's been by adapting to where you are. No, no, say so like my dad had this one look, yeah, and I would cry just at the look. And my my mum, we got beats as like a very young kid. Not like young where I was getting battered at two, but like between yeah, yeah. the ages of three and ten, I was a handful. I'm not going to lie. I'd get like a little ear pulling and stuff like that. And... I remember they did it to my little sister, yeah, and she obviously is a little bit more whitewashed than I am. And she'd be like, I'm going to call Child Protection Services. And my mom would be like, go on, go on then. She'd be like, give the phone. She'd be like, call them, call them. And my mom would be like, and then she'd be like, and you know, it, it's, it's that thing that you'd petrify as like knowing that there's no consequence. Obviously, I was not, yes. I would not say I was physically abused as a child, but like, yeah, no, the, look, no, the no. look for me. The look, you relax, man. You literally yeah. relax. Like, okay, I need to stop doing <laughs> now and and I, that is the look that i'm trying to master with my son like excuse me who do you think you are but <laughs> it's not working no no it's all good could you give him trampolines man he's chill he's got trampolines he's got a car that he's driving around in he's got bikes he's got boys. He's got, the boy is loaded like he's just <laughs> just like i had a one-eyed teddy bear kitty like this boy has like yeah one eye like i remember my teddy cute teddy we weren't really like big on toys in my house like, yeah, what's no, toy? yeah like play with each other um, go to the compound <laughs> run around <laughs> i would like get a ball or something and just play with that I, yeah and i think that's that's what we're missing here like i used to climb trees when i was little and mm. you know, sit on the fence and watch people go by and you know it was fun man so it's like that's why we say to our son go outside and play explore nature <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these kids were trust me they're so lucky they don't even know they don't even know so lucky see i don't i feel like i was very lucky i had the same childhood <laughs> as you like i my idea was fun is like i don't know if you had them in nigeria we're going so off topic here but whatever um we had the staircases but our staircases aren't like england stairs yeah they're like metal stairs they're like you got the stairs and you got a little handle i would sit mm -hmm. on that handle and like slide down slide and wait down. for my cousins to catch me at the bottom like that was my idea of fun and we do that yeah. for hours hours yeah. or like just watch stand on the balcony and like throw rocks at people passing by like honestly that was my <laughs> idea do that, 
<laughs> no, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was just a really cheeky little girl. I'd like play cricket on the street. I'd like go get my bike out or, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I know what you mean. I don't feel envious at all because my nephews and cousins, they're like playing with the iPads and, you know, phones and they've got like TV programs of Peppa Pig and all this. And I'm like, that's not fun to me. Yeah. I, you know, you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life. Like be a kid for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Be a kid. It's, it's, you know, like I said, I had a great childhood and I'm hoping that my son with his, with his iPad, with his car, with his trampoline, with all the back and say, yeah, mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy really tried for me. But it's, it's all about having balance, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed, mm-hmm. agreed. So we're going to move on to, I'm so sorry, we're so over time. Adult portion, oh. no, I said we're not over time with the interview. I'm, I'm talking about conscious of your time. I don't want to keep you here till like 8 p.m., but it's not going to happen. Fine. But yeah. Um, so let's chat about your adult life. So then you came back from Nigeria. Yes. Let's talk about the first time you felt like you experienced racism as an adult. And I want to touch upon adult. Um, so like, let's say 18 plus, because I feel like before 18, we, we can have stories. And I feel like the other reason I say that is because often, I experienced racism a lot from my peers and like my friends at school and we're all developing. Like even today I'm learning more and more about the world, about the cultures. I learned, I've learned shit ton about like black people in the last month. Mm. I didn't even know anything about my culture until I was 21 because I didn't bother to read up on the history of it. And so I want let's focus on adult life. So for you, when was the first time you experienced racism as an adult? Um, if I'm being honest, I feel like I've suppressed a lot. And obviously, you know, you know, from everything that's going on at work, that some of those things are sort of coming up again. But I would say maybe when I went to uni, actually, because we went to, can I, can I say, I can say the town, right? Yeah. Um, I joined, this was 2000, 2006. Was it 2006? I can't remember whenever I went to uni. <laughs> Um, and it was in Portsmouth, and at the time in Portsmouth, not there's only now, one I, uni there, man. Come on, just say it. Yeah, I uni know. Portsmouth, but, but, guys. <laughs> like Portsmouth now is like the Montfort, you know, in terms of like the diversity, you know. Oh, okay, but um, okay. but back then it was you could count how many people were there, so you would openly see people almost like grimace when you come near them, and yes, it was like almost like what are you doing here or we don't want you here that kind of vibe that you've got now I always say that this country they're very cleverly covert with their racism because it's that kind of like mind your business attitude don't really want to say how I feel attitude aside from you know some people that are very much out there so it's very like under um under the the covers kind of comments that you hear people say like oh what are you doing here or you know um Oh, you speak really good English. Like we speak yeah. English in in Lagos. What are you talking about? Just the way I've got an accent and you got an accent, it's it's all English. So I feel like that's the time that I can really sort of speak to to say, yeah, that was racism. But I also feel the reason why I can't say, yeah, this happened here, 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 and here is because I feel like I've just suppressed it and I've just kind of like whatever. But it's more, and again some of the things that we've spoken about at, um, at work is the microaggressions a lot of that yeah a lot of that um adult life work when I started working you know you can't say certain things because somebody feels threatened by you um you 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 you're quiet people feel like you've got an attitude you give your an opinion they feel like you're threatened it's just 
it's ridiculous as far as I'm concerned because I would see my white peers do exactly the same thing with yeah. no repercussions. Nobody's saying anything to them. Nobody's questioning their motive or whatever. So yeah, it it, it does almost put take you know you almost put a, a glass ceiling on yourself. Um, yeah. You feel like you've got um, imposter syndrome, but I've, I've really had to fight my way out of that to just be like, no, T, well, you deserve to be here. Like you deserve to be here as next as the next person, as much as the next person. Um, I might not speak the way that you speak or act the way you act, but I'm my own individual. And that's why we're, we're diverse. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that you said. We've, I mean, we've talked about all of this at work, about being covert, the microaggressions, being that angry black woman in the room, you know, speaking up and being, you know, being labelled aggressive and then not speaking at all and being like, oh, it's probably because she doesn't get it. That's another one, actually. Where that's another like, oh, she probably one. She doesn't clock on what's going on, like, oh, blah, blah. And um, I think it's really difficult. And for me... I mean, I'm not black, right? So I will. I don't think I'll ever understand. Like, I have my own struggles with my own stereotypes. Mm. Mm. But with this thing, I didn't understand how much of a big deal it was until, like I said, like as a full-grown adult. Like, I think probably yeah. after university when I started working, and I started yeah. working with, you know, black colleagues. Because even my, I have to, I have to highlight one thing, and I've said it maybe in another interview. Um, I grew up having black friends who were not mm-hmm. fully black; they were mixed race. Mm-hmm. And my, I, my best, you know, my best friend from school is mixed race black. And mm-hmm. I feel like when you're, and we, we had this conversation for a really long time. And she said to me, when you grow up between two cultures, one of them being English, you almost, you almost get fetishized because like people don't want to see you as the aggressive black woman because you're light skin and like this and pretty and like you can talk all you want. Oh my God, you're so like beautiful. You look like you're just <laughs> blah, blah, all this shit. Right. And mm-hmm. it was only till I got older that I, I actually met fully black people, right? So, I mean, talking like they've got two black parents, whether they're mixed race or whatever. And yeah. I understood that this is a problem primarily in like darker skinned black women. And I I think for me, it kind of opened my eyes to like, this is how white people was. This is like, a it's not even a black thing. It's like a colorism thing. I can't even, do you understand colorism. what I'm trying to say though? I'm, I'm like rambling with my words, but it's the oh yeah yeah she's pretty oh but why is she pretty oh you're only saying she's pretty because she's light-skinned so it's almost right. like that spectrum. so it's even from from high school i remember one girl i'm not going to say her name but she i mean she was stunning but then there was always you know boys who say yeah she's only people are only saying because she's light-skinned but then you look at the equally stunning girl who is darker you know rich and melanin and said, no, 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 she's dark, man. She's dark, like... It, and yeah, it's, yeah. It's those things that really feed into our culture, our standards of beauty, you know, and little things like, you know, the fairer you are, the more um, acceptable you are, and then the darker yeah, you yeah. are, it's questionable. So those things really do, they do play a part as well, definitely. Have you, have you ever had, like, you're pretty for a black girl? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we get it as well as Asians. Like, you're pretty for a brown girl. Who asked for your opinion? I don't even... My man thinks I'm gorgeous for any girl. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I, I grew up in... As an adult, I'm, I don't... I, I feel like I don't ever, I've ever conformed to white beauty standards. Because in mm-hmm. my country, like... But even... Actually, I feel like India has its own problem colorism and they'll never put, like, a dark-skinned woman on anything. Fine. But um, I grew up with, like my mum being who's light skin and my dad's really dark skin 
mm-hmm. and my mum would be like, don't go out in the sun, you'll get tan. And the boys don't want to marry you. Oh. My mum, my own mother would say that. Mm-hmm. And it's because she's mm-hmm. been conditioned to think that way because she got married at 21, she's light skin. She married a dark man. Of course I'm going to be bloody, I'm going to be dark, man. You married a man <laughs> who like is mistaken for a black man. Do you know what I mean? Like my dad's that dark. And I just thought to myself, like, do you know how genetics works? Because I'm never going to be fair skinned. <laughs> like, my dad's dark, his mom's dark, his dad's dark. Like, I'm going to be dark. And mm-hmm. I think this is the thing that I had to learn with myself. So when I used to get told, you're pretty for a brown girl, I'd, I'd be so, like, happy with it. Oh, my God. <gasps> I'd be like, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah. Like, and only when I got older, I'd be like, why? You're fucked in the head. Like, why would you? To, uh, to what? why would you ever think that's a compliment i i don't and people still say it i just don't understand it it's the condition kitty it's the condition of the mind because when i think of billboards back home when i was growing up it was like the fair woman or they would openly openly advertise bleaching creams like get a fairer skin like why why you know it's like let us accept and and this is the thing like if we can't accept each other or who we are and how we look how do we expect other people to 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 accept us and i think that's why racism is a bigger issue because yes you know you've got the blatant white supremacy and you know black people woe to them but then even within our communities as well it's kind of like no 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 you're too dark and i think that is but to be honest in the past five years maybe more that is really really starting to move towards no it doesn't matter yeah 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 like like melanin women to the point where i feel like the lighter skin um black women are even feeling like what about me no one's trying about me anymore yeah like people are calling them like well yeah cool which is (laughs) it's my time to shine baby (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy but um which is why i think when this song brown skin girl came out by an artist that i don't know if i can say her name um People were like, oh, but she's talking about brown skin. What, what kind of brown skin? You know, because she mentioned Lupita. <laughs> so people were up in art, particularly in America. It's like, oh, she's, it feels like she's marginalizing a certain type of brown. And just like, oh, guys, come on, man. Let's get over it. It's, it's just, but it's a real issue, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's really, it's really bizarre. I don't know. Yeah, lots to lots to, Let's, sort of lots to uncover. Yeah, lots to uncover in that area. But actually, because we're on the topic of racism, and you're going to be my marketable like little aspect. Actually, you know, in in fairness, in light of this BLM protest going on right now, I've not posted any content, but I want to chat about it because I know mm-hmm. the week, the basically the week George Floyd got shot, and then the week after. Let's talk about mm-hmm. your brother and sister, like. How was it for them as black people in America? I don't know where they're based geographically um, and whether that impacted their experience in America, but kind of what was the sentiment, you know, what was their sentiment in the last three, four weeks? So the the George Floyd thing, I feel like was definitely the straw that broke the camel's back because those videos are not new. And those videos are... are, um, the ones that we know of. And I remember it was on a Tuesday or Tuesday evening or whenever. Um, I saw the video. I don't you typically watch those things, but I saw it and I was just like, I am going to message my brother and tell him, do you want to come back? Do you want to, cause he used to live here. Do you want to come back to England? Not saying, you know, England is, is better, but at least like I said before, cleverly covert 
So, um, so my sister lives in Columbia, Missouri. She is married to an African American um, man. Where like grandmother's Af- African American, you know, so she's got yeah. that lineage. My brother is married to, um, you know, a Black British um, um, girl. Big up Soph, um, who you know she used to live here. So they, they moved. They moved over there. So it's two very stark um, differences. Where okay, I can say to my sister, I mean, I hope you guys are okay, and you know the children, but I can't necessarily. Do that do you want to come here? Or if we asked to my brother, I was like, bro, like, do you guys want to come back? So it was very tough for me to even, you know, wrap my head around it. Definitely fed up. You know this already. I was tired. My family are calling me an activist now because everything I post is like Black Lives Matter. You know, yeah. we're going to stay silent. Um, so I really had to, number one, try not to invoke um, panic with them because obviously my sister is, dealing with her husband and she's got two boys and a girl. So it's, it's real for them in terms of the conversations that she has to have. And then my brother and my sister-in-law, um, you know, it, it's different because they've got the British lens. Like this is like, why is this even happening? Um, and my sister-in-law shared something with me that, you know, and, and for her privacy, I won't share it, but it just made me just feel the fear that this entire situation has invoked in people is real, is tangible. You can't move away from it, you can't, step, you can't sort of brush it under the rug. And that's why it's so, so important that for me anyway, these issues, it just can't go to rest. Because like I've said to you many times, I have got a son. I want to try as much as possible to create a better world for him. And in as much as I'm fighting for that, I also need to tell him, unfortunately, I don't want to, have that conversation from, but tell him one day that, listen, you know, my darling, unfortunately, because of the way that you look, there are some silly people out there who look at you a certain way and assume that you do this and assume this and assume that you need to be able to cut above the grain um, and, and, and prove them wrong. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's quite tough. It's quite tough. I've been very drained the past couple of weeks. No, understandably. And you you said a phrase where you said you have to prove to them that you're above the grain or, you know, a paraphrase, whatever, whatever the mm-hmm. grain expression was at the time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's I get really annoyed when I hear people say that, especially parents mm-hmm. of color, because mm-hmm. why should I have to prove that? I'm, why should I have to prove myself? Like and my dad said the same thing. And I was actually very emotional with my dad, like um, chatting to him because I mean, I don't think you've got me on Instagram, but I've posted, like, I'm, I'm very activist on Instagram. Like, I'm that girl. I think I lost, like, 50 followers, like, because I'm just that girl I'm posting all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even use it for my own, you know, pleasure now. Like, I just, you know, if it's raising awareness, whatever. And I posted, yes. like, a statement about my dad. Um, obviously, my, da- my dad's a doctor for the NHS. Um, mm-hmm. And he got all sorts of comments. Like, he always used to get, get told, like, go back to the Congo, go back to Madras. We'll say you want to ship back to where you came from, blah, blah. And um, he, he said this to me a couple of weeks ago when this whole George Floyd incident happened. And he said, I've always had to prove myself and you're always going to have to prove yourself. Like, no matter how equal you think, you, you, this yeah. will never be an equilibrium in the UK. There will never be an equilibrium in the Western society. And um, you say you always have to prove yourself. And I started crying. I was like, why? Like, why do I have to prove myself to people that aren't worthy of me, like my full shine? Um, like, why does my white peer at work not have to prove herself in this himself in the same way that I have to do it? And he just said, like, that's just the way it is. Do you know what I mean? And I got frustrated hearing you say it because I was like, 
what why do we have to teach our kids this man why do we have to it's the environment that we live in it is the systemic um, relationship racism that is literally ingrained in everything so and that's why we're doing all this right that's why we're fighting that's why we're speaking up because we want that equilibrium but the but the issue is because it's been on for so many years there are people who are actively raising their children now the same way we're saying you need to be above the grain they're saying that yeah they can never be better than you or you can never let a black boy black girl you know move move ahead of you why is she going to get the role and you're not going to get the role you know things like that so it is a massive achievement when you see our black and brown brothers and sisters who go to Cambridge, who go to Oxford, who are doing amazing things, you know. And I'm just like, I don't want to have that conversation with you, darling, but I might have to. I don't want yeah. to. I might have to. And, and, and don't get me wrong, it is, it, it is definitely frustrating. Like, why? My grandfather, who is 91, bless him, remember he said to me years ago, he's like, why do you live in this country? Why don't you just come back? Why do you live in a white man's land? Come back to Nigeria. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. but... I just want like constant light, grandpa, like, I just, you know, so <laughs> little things like that. So, um, cause he grew up, you know, not, he didn't grow up here. He, he worked in this country where there were signs where it was like, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Like grandpa was, yeah, yeah. He, he knew the underground system, but even with his, his amazing intelligence, he was still seen as, yeah, but you're not you're not, you're not on that level. I was like, actually, no, I'm above your level, but you can't see past the color of my skin. Yeah. Hey, let's say it. Let's say it. So yeah. (sighs) Just gets me, gets me frustrated. No, that's, I, I I need to stop starting my sentences with no. Yes. You're allowed to get (laughs) frustrated. You're, I mean, I, I don't know why. I actually feel so, I can't, you know, when you've been talking about this all day, and I feel like mm-hmm. off the record, I'm going to edit this part out. I've, I feel like we have become the poster children at work to talk about shit like this. Yeah. And I got emailed last, late last week on a Friday from a partner, a very senior partner. By the way, uh, put some time in with you. I'd love for you to give the Black Lives Matter talk at this day, at this time. Give me some agenda items. I'm sorry that like, firstly, you're coming to the only other person of color in the team. Secondly, why have I got to do it? Like, I talked about it at the time because it mattered to me. I'm not your PR stunt. And I feel like even talking about it in conversation with my peers and my friends and my colleagues, it's getting exhausting, man. Like, it's the same conversation. Like, do this, read these books, sign these petitions. Like, just don't be a dick. Like, I just want to simply say it like that. Just don't be... And I had a really honest conversation to you, Ar. I'm probably going to keep squatting. Mm. I had a really honest conversation with um, my colleagues who are all white and the, mm-hmm. the, the particular kind of team I work with right now are all white. And mm-hmm. on Monday morning, I was distressed. I was so distressed. And I, and it, this for me, it wasn't about George Floyd. Yeah. For a moment in time it was. And then everyone yeah, yeah. was like, oh, the US are doing this. The US are doing that. And I was like, the UK is a wolf in sheep's clothing. The only yep. thing is they got guns. We don't. Like, that's the only difference. They got guns, we don't. The police still stopping everyone. Black women still have it the worst in terms of, like, careers, pay, children, health, everything like that. That Nothing has changed. And and my colleagues were like, 
you know, talking about what happened on the weekend, there was that blah, blah, talking about Boris Johnson, all this shit. No one mentioned, no one mentioned the protests or George Floyd or anything like that. And I talked about it really candidly with my white colleagues. And I said, look, I'm not black, but this doesn't mean you, it's not your problem or it's not my problem. Like you need, we need to talk about it. And um, they said to me, oh, I, I didn't really, you know, I, I, you know, I'm sorry you feel like that. And I was like, why do you not feel like that? Why do you not feel the same way I feel? Why do you not feel angry? This is not a sharing and empathy. Like, I'm sorry you're going through this. I'm sorry I'm going through this. I'm sorry we are going through this. Like, this is a you problem. This is a white people listen to white people problem. So you need to be the person leading this meeting or leading this conversation. Like, I've just been so tired. I mean, I know you're feeling the same way, but I've been exhausted talking about I would rather around this situation. No, I hear you. I would rather have a chat with you, with Fiona, with Bella, with Nandini, with with Colbert um, about it than anybody else. And the reason why I say that is this. We have spoken now for weeks around, okay, educate yourself, do this, do that. Yeah. If you keep coming to me and asking, oh, how do I... I'm tired of educating you, mate. Like, there's a lot of resources out there. You can do it yourself. And you're right. It's, it should bother you. It should make you, i.e. them, feel uncomfortable. Like, no, 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 we actually need to do this. This is an us issue, not a yeah. them issue. Um, and I feel like people just can't get their heads around it. But then also it talks to a, what a lot of people have been saying. It's like, they live in a bubble, Kitty. And and it would be naive of us to think that so all of a sudden the bubble will burst and they will emerge. No, they live in a bubble. Because as soon as they continue, they have these conversations, unless you have somebody around you, it's not your issue. And that's why they can be so removed from it. Whereas we have to live the experience every single day where we see somebody cross the road. Obviously now people are crossing the road because of Corona, but <laughs> see somebody cross the road or somebody look at you you know, up and down, we come in. and and listen, those things might be very innocent because, you know, people look at people up and down, right? But because of the way society is, you automatically think, oh, is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm Indian? Do, do, do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, it's really sad. It's really, oh, I'm I'm exhausted. I'm so exhausted. And then um, Rashad Brooks. Um, as far as I'm concerned, murder, the one where he was sleeping in his car. Who called, who called the police? Somebody's sleeping in the car, called the police. Police was talking to him for over 30 minutes. Over 30 minutes. Yes, he pulled the taser, but you had already, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, use the taser twice. Yeah. So there was nothing, there was, not, there was no charge left in the taser. So you saying that you feared for your life. A, you shot this person in the back. You shot him in the back. You shot him so many times that one bullet actually hit somebody's car. So why is it one standard for one person and another standard for the other person? I saw a video recently where some children maybe cut through a path, five black children. I don't know if they were all boys, but five of them cut through a path. Maybe because, hey, that it's, long, it's longer that way. Let me cut through here. Policeman pulls a gun at them. Children saying he feared for his life. What? Are you so afraid of? What is it? But then, Kitty, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I think about the Hebrews and Pharaoh and the Egyptians where they were like, oh, oh, oh these Hebrews are getting, they're getting too strong, you know, like they're better than emerging. What did Pharaoh do? 
yeah, yeah, kill them. Kill all the firstborn sons because he knows that if I get rid of all the men, yeah, they're not going to yeah. have anyone to, 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 to fight for them. So it's not new, it's just finessed. It's just the demographic changed. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's a lot, it's a lot for my life. <laughs> but I'm just trying to be better for, for my son, really, and truly. Obviously, yeah. for myself, for my son, just trying, just trying to be better, just trying to be better for him. And you should be. That's, that's the way. Hey. <laughs> No, you know what she's saying, Black Power Guy. She's like miming it for whatever reason. <laughs> but we got our fists up and she's saying Black Power and that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that. No problem. Thank you for listening. Yes, but I do have a closing note for you before I let you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, this is going to sound really ignorant, but I'm just going to ask a couple of fun questions now. <laughs> After we just pulled our hearts out about racism, I'm just going to oh. ask a couple of fun questions. But we're going to chat. Do you speak a second language? I do. I speak can Yoruba. Yeah, Toby! Oh my God, can we just give a shout out to Toby, who's the only other Yoruba guy I know. And I, yeah, okay, so let's let's. Ayo Yoruba. And shout out to Ayo, who, by the way, was meant to come Ayo, Yemi, they speak, they speak well. Yemi! Yeah, yeah, me speak. She, well, I mean, she understands it. When I speak in the office, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Bye, is, yeah. Your, is your first language Yoruba or is it English? It's English. Um, interestingly, my dad didn't want us to speak Yoruba. I don't know why. Um, but he and my mom always used to speak it around the house. So I'm like, I, I understand what you guys are saying. I understand that you're saying you're looking to buy me that shoe. I understand. Um, or, you know, you're getting <laughs> shipped back to Nigeria for the year. No big deal. Shit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but no, um, I actually, interestingly, I feel like my Yoruba really picked up when I went to uni. Definitely, because I used to move around with a lot of Nigerians. We used to speak Yoruba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it really picked up. My brother always says Tiwa went, Tiwa went to Portsmouth and became even more Nigerian. I'm like, yeah, man, why not? No, so like international students that would come from Nigeria. National students, um, people that were born home, here. Yeah, yeah, home students, fine, fine. Just used to move around and, and speak and speak to each other. There's a word that you caught that we say um, in, in our, it's not language, it's almost like slang. So, oh, we're very raz. It's like, you're just <laughs> like very bush, very like, just, you're not posh, if that, if that makes sense. It's like, you're very raz. So it's like, it's like oh, road. You're road. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're very road. Yeah, but it's like a Nigerian, very raz. So it's like, hey, I take my so, razness. Cool. So usually, what I ask is, can you give a, a parting sentence in Yoruba for the audience? Obviously, you have to provide a full orcs. I mean, come on, if Fiona can do it in Twi and like learn from Twi school, you can. I'm sure you can get something out for the audience. Uh, I don't know what you want me to say. Um, Anything you wish. It can be like a. And literally anything. The world's your oyster. Okay. Silence. Um, I don't know because I'm thinking about what I'm saying. Um, so I'm going to say, <clears throat> the, uh, my Yoruba people, please don't kill me. Yeah. Um, I like to make a lot of people so that, see, I put English in there. <laughs> see, English and Yoruba. I like to make a lot of people who to make a lot of people who are going to Aye, Ola Ti. Ooh, Tiwa. 
Olati. Listen, I'm going to put English in there. Olati were better. Basically, what I said was, um, we have to continue to pray about everything that's going on because our children coming behind us, the world has to be better for them. I couldn't think about love that yes love that thank you thank you for not saying thank you Kate, for having me on your show which is what everyone says thank you so much oh you're welcome and i love that for opportunity thank you kitty for this opportunity you just spoke (laughs) it in a nigerian accent at the end you can't just whip that out that's basically what i do when i speak english which is like a mix and match but thank you so much to you for coming on my show we had so many technical difficulties but do you know what? God wanted to make this happen because you're my season finale, baby. We're going to get you on. Like, we're going to end with a blast. We're going to end with a bang. Not blast. End with a bang. Um, bang and you had so much, like, you were so much fun. You're a really fun person. And I'm only just saying this because I only know Tiwa in, like, a work setting, right? And I know she's chill. She's fine. She's easy to talk to. But I've never really had a, a personal conversation with you outside of the initiatives that we do at work. Yeah, so it was nice yeah. to see like your personality flourish. And basically, you got jokes. She's bad girl, <laughs> TT. <laughs> she's coming for your gal in Croydon. So you know, beware. She's no, no, guys. I am. I am reformed. I do not want any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. Thanks, that was so easy. Like very, very good. Thanks, Kitty. It was lovely to speak to you. Big up Nigeria. Big up Croydon, big up everyone, and I'm gonna stop. Except the racists. Except except the racists. Change, change.